We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Love getting prices that are lower than low on food that's fresher than fresh? Then shop at Kroger. We give you more ways to save on the fresh you love with tools like the Kroger app, where you can find personalized coupons on top of weekly sales, giving you prices that are lower than the everyday low. Kroger, fresh for everyone. It's the big $10 sale. So mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. The Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the Exxon Radio Show or endorsed in any manner by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, the Exxon Broadcast Network, its affiliated networks, stations, employees, or advertisers. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the Exxon, everyone. I am Rob McConnell, and for the next four hours, I am your host. I am your guide as together we cross the time-space continuum to this place that I call the Exxon. It's a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. It's a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. And the Exxon comes to you Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 a.m. Eastern. Right here on the Exxon Broadcast Network, Talkstar Radio Network, Mutual Broadcast Network, and on Simul TV. For all the broadcast information on what you can wa- listen to, 724-365 on the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. And for the Exxon TV channel, www.simultv.com, that's S-I-M-U-L-T-V.com. And when you get to their front page, just in the search engine, just type in Exxon. Also, the X Chronicles newspaper is always available, updated monthly at www.xchroniclesnewspaper.com. My guest of this hour, Exxon Nation, is dream analyst, author, and researcher Craig Webb. Craig is also a widely traveled speaker and musical artist who has done pioneering in lucid dreaming research at Stanford University and designed peak performance devices distributed worldwide. His book, Dreams Behind the Music, reveals little-known dreams that inspired tremendous success for over 100 famous artists 
and highlights principles and techniques anyone can use to harvest their own dreams for significant breakthroughs. Joining me now from the beautiful city of Montreal, Quebec, is Craig Webb. Craig, welcome back to the Exxon. Great to join you again, Rob, like a positive recurring dream yet again. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so tell me, what's new with you? Uh, so many things. I guess uh, new is that uh, I'm pretty passionate about uh, serving creatively uh, lots of children these days. Oh. I'm actually uh, taking uh, applied dreaming and uh, sort of intentional dreaming, let's say dreaming on a topic, into uh, high schools and even elementary schools these days as a new project. So bringing it to the, the younger tribe, let's say. So are the younger people showing more and more interest in dreams, Craig? I don't know if more and more because I don't really have a good reading. I've mm -hmm. done uh, schools and some high schools uh, a few years ago. Right. But I can tell you that uh, there's sort of this surprise, and I'm, I'm happy that there is that because it means it's kind of a fresh topic. It's not really being covered. But there's a surprise like, wow, dreams can actually be like practical in your life. Mm -hmm. It's not just some vague story or some fun adventure or you know, kind of a rehash of the movie that I watched before sleep. So there's a surprise and then an engagement. Well, not every student, but some students kind of try it out and really delve into it as something kind of new and fresh and possibly interesting. So that feels hopeful. Yeah, it does. You know, Craig, we're uh, just a couple of weeks into the new year here, and I was wondering if the new year can actually affect people's dreams. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, first off, any beginning which New Year is often a pretty big beginning, if, especially if we set intentions and resolutions mm -hmm. and things. Uh, one of the things I like to watch on any special dates, you, New Year being a perfect one, but even like birthdays or Easter, Valentine's, uh, you know, anniversaries would be a good one, is to watch for something that corresponds with that relationship or that day or the New Year in this case. Mm -hmm. So often, not necessarily on the day because our dream, I guess, input, our dream, our dream weaver has to go through different weather systems of our day, of what we had for food. So in other words, we might not always be clear dreaming on every given night. But let's say usually uh, within a day or a few days of our January 1st, or maybe the start of the year, or, or especially the night after, if we started to sort of look at our weekly schedule or yearly intentions, we'll see dreams and subconscious hints towards very important directions to focus our time, or sometimes focus, not focus our time towards something that we had as a priority. So some big movements for New Year's dreamers to help plan the year, you know, where the, the private dreams end up becoming the public dreams that we hold for our future and, and then eventually act through action, serve people. Craig, do people who work night shift and sleep during the day, do they have different dream patterns than those who sleep at night? Uh, yeah, probably each person, each individual is very different. The, the light affects our dream cycle a bit, so light in the room. Mm -hmm. So some people probably, uh, I guess, have, are used to the night shift, uh, have their all their drapes drawn, right. and uh, they want to keep the room pretty dark, so that's one thing. If they don't, that would definitely affect it a little bit. And you can use that positively. The skin actually picks up the light and to some degree changes a little bit of the, the melatonin and the different brain chemistry so that you can use a little bit if you want to have a lighter sleep. And sometimes that can be helpful for dream recall, lucid dreaming, and then yeah. on the other side it can uh, can throw off your amount of rest. So you have to choose wisely. Is, is there any connection between the dreams we have at night and the hopes and the dreams we have for our future? Yeah, that's a good one. That's kind of what I was getting at a little bit about yeah. a potential New Year dream. Because mm -hmm. we use the same word, right, Rob? Yep. 
oh, I dream of becoming a golfer or whatever our, our dream is. And then we don't necessarily connect. Where did the origins of that word come from? We probably learned it from society, movies, our parents, whatever. Right. Um, my guess is that it actually comes through our, you know, we could, you could actually ask this larger question. Uh, and it's a big one. It might sound kind of just obvious at first, but it, it can be pretty powerful. Where do thoughts come from? And not so many people ask themselves that. Where do thoughts come from? Mm. And then uh, I don't think it's a one-size-fits-all answer, but definitely some of the more important thoughts. And don't forget, every action we take in life is based on a thought or a, or a thinking habit anyway. Uh, so every action, everything that happens to us because of a thought, where we go, what we do, what we don't do, how we speak, etc., so the thoughts become really important. And then if we realize the big key ones, like maybe a dream we wake up with from New Year's, which is sort of a thought just in the morning there, a, a fresh thought off our night's sleep mm -hmm. can be very important for how to really serve people or bring a lot of joy or what to avoid if it's a nightmare. So they connect, I think, our nighttime dreams and our daytime hopes. You've got a degree in physics. How did you end up doing dream analysis? <laughs> yeah, they both uh, yeah. start with P, right? Oh, Psychology yeah. and physics. Right. That's about the... Uh, the only connection. I could just say it's a natural uh, development of what I was asking when I wanted to do my physics degree. Uh, and it's not everybody's favorite subject, physics. But I went into the science, I guess that specific science, because I wanted to know how the universe worked, how yes. life and people worked. Mm -hmm. uh, and I wasn't necessarily interested in like building bombs or uh, inventing the next radio transmitter or something. I really wanted to understand how and why, and I guess later that naturally led to psychology. And I think we've mentioned it a few times on the show here, so I won't go too deep. But I did have a powerful near drowning during my physics degree, and pretty much out of nowhere, because I wasn't really interested too much in that before, I started remembering up to like 10 dreams a day, wow. having lucid dreams, sort of being aware during a dream that I was dreaming, then having premonitions were very clear and about rare things that came true. So it really blew my mind and changed a bit of the course. But I kept the science and started doing statistical dream research and went to Stanford and did lucid dreaming where we put electrodes on and said, hey, wow, the person's conscious during their <laughs> dreams. You know, they're awake in their sleep. And so I tried to blend the two. And I guess uh, I think it was just a natural rebalancing of my psyche from kind of the mental physicist into the more emotional, subjective, intuitive dreamer and hopefully blend the two eventually. Interesting. Um, how many dreams does the average person have a night, Craig? Oh, that's a good one. How yeah. many would you say you have if you just give a guesstimate? I, I, you know what? I go to bed very late and I get up very early. I have recall of very, 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 very few dreams. Oh. But on days, let's say, then you can, when you can sleep in. Do you get more, or is it just a habit now that you don't get it's, too much sleep? It's just a habit now that I don't get that much sleep. Yeah. You know, I've been doing well, this show now for 30 years. I know, and you're pretty, uh, you're dedicated, so yeah. you're not slacking out here. <laughs> uh, I'll just mention as a little kind of bait and teaser, because really I'm kind of a salesman for, for dreams, the, the dream channel of benefits for our lives. So for radio hosts, I say, well, one thing is uh, you can sometimes avoid uh, certain calamities by getting insights or warning dreams. But more interesting is uh, I, I know another host who actually dreams their guests or specific topics, and they end up being like real hits, like sort of surprisingly good, and sometimes people they don't know. 
So that could be a little winner there. All right, Craig, we, we've, yeah, we've got to take our break. Please stand oh, by. Okay. Exxon Nation, Craig Webb is our special guest. We're talking about dreams this hour here in the Exxon, and if you'd like to find out more about Craig, two websites, www.dreamsbehindthemusic.com and applieddreaming.com. Dreams, one of my favorite topics. Craig Webb, one of my favorite guests here on the Exxon. And we'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Welcome back. We're talking about dreaming this hour with our special guest, Craig Webb. He is in Montreal, and he is a dream researcher and dream analyst. Two websites, behindthemusic.com, I'm sorry, dreamsbehindthemusic.com and applieddreaming.com. Craig, before we went to the commercial break, we were talking about, you know, how many dreams a night people have. And I always thought, prior to talking to you and learning about dreams, that dreams were very short in in time but i i i've I've learned to understand that dreams can actually be long in duration yeah well uh, people use the word dream differently so right Mm -hmm. now just so we we're clear here we're talking about the nighttime episodes that you wake up from usually (laughs) Uh, but uh there's lots of variations out there so yeah they can be a varied length like in the sleep lab setting so just electrodes you can see that the REM cycles where we have the visual dreams they're fairly fixed they change a little bit depending what you've Mm -hmm. had for dinner and if you've had medications but that doesn't necessarily mean the subjective experience of the dream is like a certain length for example it could be a, a movie scene where we're kind of age seven cut to 14 and then the subjective experience ends up being really long sort of wow years passed but if you measured from start to end of the actual neurons firing, you only had right. maybe you know, 10 minutes. Uh, I've had lucid dreams, and uh, I think the longest recorded lucid dream is something like 52 minutes, but I've had them up there 45 minutes. So that you can be conscious, fully aware during a dream where your mm-hmm. body's fully asleep, and you're going moment to moment and just going around for like a long time. There it feels like hours. But uh, when I woke up, it was like 45 minutes or so after I went to sleep. So you start to get – what's an interesting number there is how long is a dream? Uh, one magazine interview asked me this one time, and I thought, well, I don't know really how you tell that. But I have a dream database of I think now about twelve to 15,000 dreams. Some are in books still. But I just did a search because I usually estimate the, the length of the dream and mm-hmm. sort of physical time, not subjective time. And I just did a, a sort of average of 12,000 wherever I'd entered that field. And I came out to 4.2 minutes 
I said, well, that seems about right, actually. Average length of dream, and it depends how you interpret a scene or a dream or whatever. But I also found out, I think, the same week that the average length of a YouTube video was 4.2 minutes. So I thought, that's very unusual. Yeah. So the length of something that really interesting engages someone seems to be about the same for a dream and like worldwide videos or something there, you know. The, the content of dreams, you know, um, some dreams are happy, some are nightmares, some yeah. are, are just, you know, wake up in a, in a cold sweat. What determines what we dream? Oof. Wish I had the answer to that question even after 30 years. Uh, there's lots, so many factors. I would say uh, there's daytime residue. I'm sure a lot of listeners mm -hmm. are pretty aware of that. Things we've seen, heard, especially things we haven't really felt, like feelings that we haven't really processed. That'll influence our dreams big time. So that sort of past things is usually called daytime residue. There's an interesting lag effect. Somewhere between five and seven days after we experience something in physical life, we're much more likely to dream about it than, let's say, three, day, three days or four days after, which is kind of interesting. There's some kind of natural psyche of five to seven days later, we incorporate things from our day. And then uh, there's interesting sort of, I guess, timing for dreams of... Uh, Oh, I just think I had a, like a, a mind blank here of what the question was. But let's say right. five to seven days is an interesting dream lag. Oh, oh, what things affect content of dreams? Yes. And then this is a less obvious one, but on the show here, I'm sure listeners are, are good with this. The future. So I, th I took this fairly well-known uh, where one of my colleagues actually researched originally the five to seven day uh, sort of incorporation lag from daytime events. I thought, well, you know, time is pretty fluid, and when we're in dreams, our consciousnesses can be quite outside of physical time, and we can definitely have premonitions. I've had plenty, and pretty much everybody I work with or, or meet at some sure. point has had a few. So it wasn't a question of whether they're possible. It was more a question of, hey, how can we look at them? And I thought, there must be some kind of lag, uh, sort of going ahead in time of things that we're going to foresee that's a little bit more likely than just randomly anything in the future. So do you, do, are you saying that, that the dream state allows you to go forward and backward in time? Well, my sense of it and the metaphor I use is actually we could be above the timeline of life. Mm -hmm. Sort of that it can include our past, obviously, but it can include future moments or at least probable futures with a few curves off left and right. But let's say something like a highway with different exits, probabilities that we're going to experience in our coming days, coming weeks, coming years. And we definitely can tune into it. In fact, that's, I believe, what a lot of dreaming is for. We're starting to tune into, and on some level, I'll use this word a little loosely, choose what events we want to experience, what lessons, what feelings. So there, uh, there does seem to be a natural little, you know, a little bump or a little blip of dreaming more likely about five to seven days hence, or the following day also. That's a little more obvious. We dream of something during the following day, and we're more likely not to forget the dream that way. And then uh, there's other interesting cycles about seven years. I've actually seen 21-year cycles where somebody tuned in ahead very clearly to a specific events. So not always easy to remember, but there's some interesting cycles that are a little more common. But And then there's so many other factors, foods, medications, our friends. Uh, there's a new interesting principle, if we're not running into a break here. I'd no, like we've got about, about five minutes. Oh, I call it joint dreams. I'm sort of just using that tentatively. But it's where two people, I often see this appear, or I don't know if often, 
I've seen this appear, let's say, a few times per session because I lead teleclasses mm -hmm. uh, with some wonderful dreamers, some who take the class again and again so that friendships develop and camaraderie. And I see that people get joint dreams. In other words, each person kind of gets an aspect of something that wouldn't be helpful or useful or wouldn't really be understandable as an action item or something that can benefit them unless you have both pieces of the puzzle. In other words, uh, the, either the person's waking experience or directly both people's dreams together. So that's kind of interesting. In other words, it's useless alone. Example, uh, one dreamer dreamt of uh, one of the other classmates of uh, hiking with a friend in a canyon mm -hmm. but it was the friend of a dreamer who lives i think like 2000 miles away from utah which is where the canyon was but a clear friend that she know lived she knew lived in utah so she just wrote her and said hey you ever hike this canyon it turns out she did and then she asked our, our classmate her classmate do you ever hike in this canyon because i dreamt of you with my friend and she goes yeah i do from time to time not always not every day but i do and so she thought, that's very interesting. Why would I dream of... And I didn't know either of them did, you know. So we ended up uh, pair, pairing the two together, a dream friend that she'd never met, and they, I believe, went and hiked the canyon together. And who knows what's come, because that's a fresh one. But sort of where two pieces of information don't mean anything unless you get both people's input. Craig, what happens if we don't dream? Uh, don't dream. Uh, usually, depending on the person... Uh, some of the advanced meditator yogis say oh, that they eventually limit their dreaming if they're very, uh, you know, kind of mindful and really process all their feelings and they're very aware in life. So that could be a case. But most likely it's people who've kind of plugged it or, you know, I didn't like those nightmares I had when I was in my teen years or in my marriage or whatever. And so unconsciously they kind of put a, a clamp on it. And so the dreams don't come. Unfortunately, uh, it sort of ends up like bottled pressure. And often when I see people who haven't dreamt in a long time, and just because they usually don't attend to it or don't see the value or they had the, the fear or the upset, they get some really strong uh, upsetting dreams right away. And I, I sort of say, that's great. Nightmares, lucky you. Uh, people can check out a whole article about that at the website nightmares.info. But it shows why nightmares are, are beneficial. And that uh, expect them if you haven't been dreaming for a while because it's kind of a pressure release. And then the good creative stuff, the insights, the psychic stuff is usually right behind that. Is there a connection between the world of dreams and psychic phenomenon? For example, I've heard of people being able to tell the future in their dreams or communicate with the deceased loved ones in their dreams. Yeah, right. And and then get verifiable info that yes. you kind of go with. This was mm -hmm. a valid visitation here. It wasn't just me wishing. Yeah, and I believe both types of deceased dreams happen more the wishful and then the actual visitations usually just so people can tell them apart if they if they wish to uh, a true visitation or sort of a connection with let's say whatever word you like but let's say the soul or the the deeper consciousness of the person who's passed on you usually can tell because they come with a pretty strong message or some specific info that can be practical like you know check your sister because she's suicidal check in on your sister or something specific like that which Edgar Casey one of Edgar Casey's dreamers uh, a famous prophet of many years ago uh, had for their sister so it usually comes when it's a valid kind of inside info from the deceased or in my book dreams behind the music many deceased help out the living so yeah we can definitely see uh, the psychic connection think of it like the inner net connection it's kind of like the internet, okay. but inside of us. And when you're connected to the internet, you can start to find out things about life uh, in the future, at a distance, inside uh, other people's worlds, emotions, thoughts. We usually call it tele telepathy. 
But usually when it's helpful, I think there's a sort of permission there. You know how all the internet giants now are very, getting very strong on permission and data privacy? Yes. I, I believe all the physical laws that we end up having in life uh, follow inner laws and principles. And in dreams, there's sort of a permission and privacy law. You can't just go and, I guess, infiltrate somebody completely wildly without their at least subconscious permission that it could be helpful for them or for you. All right, stand by, Craig. You and I have to take our news break at the bottom of the hour. Exonation. Craig Webb is our special guest. Craig is in Montreal, the most beautiful city in Canada. And if you'd like to uh, find out more about Craig, here's two websites, dreamsbehindthemusic.com and applieddreaming.com. I'll be back on the other side of the news as Craig and I continue our talk about dreaming here in the Exxon from our broadcast center and studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Don't go away. Welcome back, everyone. Craig Webb is our special guest this hour. Craig is a dream analyst, author, and researcher from Montreal, Quebec. Two websites, dreamsbehindthemusic.com and applydreaming.com. You know, we were talking about uh, dreams this hour, and when it comes to the length of a dream, is there any set standard, or does the length of the dream depend on certain uh, factors while you're asleep? Well, it'll definitely depend on different factors, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Maybe we'll go at it from a few angles. First, okay. the physiology angle uh, with electrodes and kind of measuring sleep cycles, REM periods. Yeah, uh, There'll be specific amounts of time during which we have these visual experiences that most people call dreams. And uh, those REM periods in each sleep cycle actually get longer during the night. And that's why uh, we usually remember more morning dreams towards morning because they're longer and closer to waking so the length of those ends up being start of the night, five minutes, morning, a little bit, depending on the person, up to 30, 45, 50 minutes, something like that, maybe up to an hour on rare occasions, something like that. So not the whole REM period. Actual subjective experience could be quite a different angle. So it could be subjective in terms that time just isn't quite the same subjective experience in dreams. Uh, but there was one lucid dreaming study at Stanford that we did where a dreamer in a dream, you know, quite conscious, but with their body asleep, counted from 1 to 10 at the same speed that they counted during the day, sort of measuring uh, their, their counting speed to try to get about 10 seconds. And uh, they do an eye signal before the count, an eye signal from the dream after, so that we know they're asleep and they, we know they're counting. And the time measured very close to 10 seconds between their two eye signals from the dream. So it's suggested at that time that uh, the duration, at least, of a lucid dream was equivalent in time to, to waking life. Because we, nobody ever really knew before that. You, know, you couldn't send a signal from dreams out until then. 
But then there'd been experiments after that subjective time wasn't quite the same. And certainly there can be like movie time, you know, where you cut to age seven, cut to age 14 right. in the next scene, and you get a very long subjective experience of, wow, years passed kind of dreams. There, there is an interesting little study, or I guess a micro study that I did personally, because a magazine one asked me, hey, what's, what's the average length of a dream? A magazine interview once. And uh, I said, wow, I don't really know, and I don't know if you could really quantify it because everybody's definition of a dream is a bit different too. Mm -hmm. You know, is it all the scenes together or one scene or just a vignette or my whole night or what? But anyways, I had a database and still do of uh, over 10,000 dreams, and one of the fields on there was my estimated duration, sort of subjective sense of physically how long the dream was. And I just did an average over, I think, 10 to 12,000 dreams, and it came out to exactly 4.2 minutes or like 4.22. And uh, I thought that's kind of interesting. Felt about right for average, some obviously longer. Right. And then uh, I found out, I think the same day or, or that week, researching kind of an interesting question, that the average length for a YouTube video worldwide, I guess the thing that most engages people on average is 4.2 minutes. Now that's very interesting. very strange coincidence. That is. So something like the length of what our psyche can, on average, or like you can most digest and get the, the benefit of. So what are some of the practical advantages or benefits that dreams can actually offer people? Oh, well, so many. One of the simplest ones, uh, people can start to look at daily things like diet. You know, this is surprisingly common. Somebody might dream of a vegetable, a fruit, or something that they're being sick with or that's looking all moldy in their dream or that the fridge has no more of and... Uh, you know, that they can't find at the grocery store or something. Usually the dream or the body wisdom, let's say, is suggesting have more of this or don't have so much of this. I had a lucid dreamer in one of my teleclasses, because I, I lead teleclasses, who actually had really bad headaches, migraines. And she, I, I said, well, why don't you ask your subconscious? You can dream on a topic, you know, sleep on it. But in this case, uh, actually dream on it. And so she uh, said, oh, great idea, and, and dreamt on it. And, you know, this has been about two or three months of migraines. And that night, she said it was kind of a hodgepodge, a little bit uh, convoluted. Mm -hmm. But she did get clear enough that eggs were bad. And she saw some, like, sort of moldy bananas. Wow. And she goes, that's interesting that I've actually been having a lot of banana muffins that have eggs. I've been having eggs. And I don't usually. In fact, I didn't a few months ago. So she actually liked the science of it and researched. I think she said potassium or something like that was way higher in these foods. And she goes, Okay. Anyways, bottom line is just try not having it for a week and see if it makes a difference. And she reported the next day. She said, wow, didn't have any today. Two, three days, four days. And by class time, I think five days later, because we, we meet once a week, she said, zero migraines and continued for about another five weeks and surprisingly good. And then eventually a little bit coming back. And I said, were you having any eggs or bananas? She goes, yeah, I slipped a little bit on the banana muffins because I love them. And I said, okay, well, at least you tried. You acted on the dream. Maybe ask your dreams again. And uh, she went to sleep, had a lucid dream this time, in the dream, aware and knowing. <laughs> and she asked her dream grocer, because she happened to be in the grocery store, hey, you know, uh, any way I can get rid of these migraines? The dream grocer pointed to a sign on the wall with an X across eggs and bananas and said, we already told you about those. She goes, I know, I know. He says, okay, but we'll help you here because you've been... You, know, you kind of listen to our guidance. And she said uh, they brought over, I think it was potatoes and grapes to the checkout. So she said, here, have some of these in your shopping cart. 
And so she said, oh, okay, guidance of what to take, not just what not to take. Here's the strange psychic connection, because I think we spoke about psychic things before, Rob. Yes. She said, uh, so I had this dream. I didn't tell anybody. She mm-hmm. later told the dream class, but because it was the same day. And just that day, I picked up my daughter, like I always do from school, to drive her home. And out of nowhere, once in a while, she asked, hey, mom, what's for dinner? But this one day, the first time ever, she said what she was going to choose for dinner. She said, tonight for dinner, mom, we're just going to have potatoes. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, I don't know how common potatoes were, but it struck me yeah. as a, a little bit of an anomaly for the dream grocer dream day. Craig, when people have daydreams, what kind of dream is that? Because they're usually awake, and yet they seem to be able to have dreams at the same time. Yeah, an experience that isn't physical sensory, or at least starts to go away from physical senses to some degree. Uh, and there's so many variations. I heard of déjà vu. Have you heard of déjà visité, Rob, and déjà vécu? No, I haven't. These are kind of fancier phrases to classify some of the more general déjà vu, but where somebody will have an experience of being at a place before. That's déjà visité. Like, uh, let's say they're in Trafalgar Square, one oh. dreamer said. And in waking, quote-unquote waking life, they're fully back at Trafalgar Square, but like 100 years ago. But they said, but I was fully awake, so what was that? You know? So there's names for some of these and, and variations. And then there'll be lots of sort of semi-dozing, half-awake, or just thought of something that was a total non sequitur, which some people might think of as a dream, even though there were no visuals. So the brain state would be uh, measurable and start to show different, I guess, combinations Mm -hmm. or proportions of the beta, alpha, delta, theta waves. We'd probably be able to pick it up there and say, oh, yeah, we're starting to go into like a daydream phase, or maybe you're having a very strong intuitive hit right now if you had a non sequitur. We noticed that here with this little spike of gamma. Some of the high frequencies sometimes show intuitive things. So you could probably measure it, but who knows exactly what happens during daydreams. Probably we just uh, rebalance something in our psyche because we were too physically focused. Right. Does the profession of which a person works during the waking hours have an effect on the dream? Are, more, some, are people who have different professions more apt to have more... Um, Illustrious dreams. Yeah. Like being a radio host who works the late X-Zone hours? Oh, geez. I, I, I don't dream at all. I just I just crash for four, three or four and hours. And gets up at like 5 a.m. Yeah. You know. Right. right. Uh, well, obviously, uh, from experience, I think you know that it can certainly affect your sleep. And uh, indirectly, that will, by guarantee, affect the amount of dreams we recall. But I'd say uh, from experience, and each person's a little different, but overall, I've definitely seen studies where duration of sleep starts to affect the content. No, what what I think I was getting at is, would a a waitress who has more contact with the public have different dreams from, let's say, a, a person who cuts lawns for a living? Okay, like dream content. Yes, yeah. Uh, that's been studied quite a bit and is very true. And there's lots of variations between men and women. Mm-hmm. For example, men often more often dream about strangers. Women dream about friends. More often men are violent, etc. More chase dreams in women and things like this. So there's some specific symbolism and, I guess, themes, more common themes. Certainly uh, our daily motif. I usually like that word motif. It's cool. So, yeah. What we end up, uh, I guess, spending more of our daytime hours, let's say we're a teacher or a waitress, like you said, that will probably end up as our dreaming motif 
uh, often in our dreams. But it doesn't necessarily mean the content of the dream doesn't have guidance or isn't specific or isn't fresh. It doesn't just mean we're always dreaming of our work. It just means that's kind of the theme that we dream in. But the specifics of what happens or what we do or what doesn't happen, Mm -hmm. that could be pretty interesting around the motif of waitressing or radio hosting or (laughs) teaching, whatever. All right, Craig, you and I have to take our final break for this hour. And Exxon Nation, if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour, who is Craig Webb. He's a dream analyst, author, and researcher from Montreal, Quebec. Dreamsbehindthemusic.com and AppliedDreaming.com. Send me your comments. If you have any questions uh, that you'd like to send us to forward on to Craig, please do that. Send them to me at exxon at exxonradiotv.com, and I'll make sure that Craig gets them all. And once again, his websites are dreamsbehindthemusic.com and applieddreaming.com. This is the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. Craig Webb and I return as we wrap up this hour here from our studios in Niagara, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. Craig Webb is my guest. He is a dream analyst, author, and researcher from Montreal. His websites are dreamsbehindthemusic.com and applieddreaming.com. First of all, Craig, always great talking to you, a fellow Montrealer. And yeah. um, you, you wanted to ask me something when we came back on air. Yeah, I was kind of interested to know because uh, you're always giving lots of room for us guests to share some sure. of our story and some of the latest findings and things. Mm-hmm. But it's always fascinated me that you were very physically focused, let's say, policeman, you know, nuts yep. and bolts world. Working, mm-hmm. uh, in Montreal, you've told me that before. Yep. And now you're kind of looking at uh, inside issues, the psychic realms, the uh, UFOs, extra, the whole X-Zone world. How did that shift happen? I, I'm pretty interested to know. Maybe you've told it before, but I never heard. Well, sure, I have. I, you know, I, I came down with uh, Kaysan's disease in my hips, avascular okay. necrosis okay. Wow. of the femoral head. And that kind of put a kibosh on policing. And there were three things I wanted to do when I was a kid. I wanted to be in a rock and roll band. I wanted to be a policeman because my uncles, my dad, everybody in the family was in law enforcement. And I wanted to be in broadcasting because my mom was uh, was working at CKGM at the time when I was a kid. And she yeah, was right. also and she was also a bit actor for uh, at CFCF. She was in uh, I don't know if you remember this magistrate's court people in conflict. Um, you know, so I used to go to the, to the different uh, tapings of the shows, and the technical aspect always intrigued me. Uh, I, you know, and I was always, I always wanted to be involved. So, you know, I did the rock and roll thing, and I did the police thing, and then it was, well, number three, let's get into broadcasting. 
And while I was on the force, uh, I, I used to love midnight shift. I loved the midnight shift. I, uh, I decided that I was going to learn how to do television. And I started, and I started hanging around a place on, um, oh, Montreal East. I, I can't remember it. But uh, there, that's where I learned how to do videography, editing. And back then, it was the three-quarter inch cassettes. Oh, yeah. You know? And it was a, a three-two. Slicing. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and you needed uh, three, you needed basically three, uh, three VCRs. You needed one for the A roll, one for the B roll, and then one for the mix. And uh, then the, you had to be very careful with the cameras because they had Viticon tubes in them. And if you were shooting, uh, uh, let's say, on Dorchester and a car went by and you happened to get a sun flare, it burned the tube. So you'd have to go and either try and burn the, burn, the, uh, burn the streak out or else you had to get a new Viticon tube. And back then they were quite expensive. So after I did this, I decided, okay, this, this is kind of neat. And I actually went out and um, started shooting commercials. I did a commercial for uh, Woodhouse Legary. I did one for, uh, let me see, Centre Duvernay, uh, Auberge Gabriel. Uh, and, and, and I'd get them on the Johnny Carson show. What? Yeah. And that's the exact response I would get from people. What? Because in Montreal, the, the Johnny Carson show was, was repeated through WPTZ in Plattsburgh. Yeah, right. So when you went down to Plattsburgh, you bought the commercial time, and the commercial that you would, the client would pay you for would actually be during the Johnny Carson show, not a national spot. Oh, the local. The local spot. Still. Yeah. You know, and then I did industrial, uh, I did some work for the Hyatt Regency Hotel, the Queen Elizabeth Hotel. Um, like videography. Yeah. You know, putting, uh, I, I even did, do you remember the the uh, Wedgwood plates, the royal wedding plates for Princess Diana and Charles when they got married? Oh, I don't remember. That. Anyway, I did Might that commercial. myself here. Yeah. <laughs> that, I, did, I did that commercial, and that was one of the first by time commercials I did, where you know we'd we'd uh, do time splitting or profit sharing with the different stations. They'd run okay. the they'd run the ad, and uh, anybody bought there was a split between myself and the station, and then we'd get the order and we'd ship it out. You know that was oh, uh, pretty creative. Yeah, and wh how come the topic? Because sort of from worldly work to let's say more metaphysical and UFO and I, I, type yeah, of topic. I always had an interest in the paranormal, ever really? since I was a kid. Yeah, we lived in Shamadi, and uh, this is where I this is where I kind of look at where this all started kicking in, and um, at the time it was uh, when the turboprops were being replaced by the jets. Oh, wow. Yeah, and, you know, my brother, we used to uh, live in an upper duplex on 68th Avenue in Shamity, right across from Thomas H. Bowes High School and Prince Charles Elementary, and in between those two schools was a playground. And my mom, being very European, we had to be in bed at 7 o'clock. You know, we, can, we could read, we could color, we could do anything we want, but we had to be in bed by 7 o'clock. Now, this is even in the summertime when there is no school. And you know for a fact, Craig, that kids play in their school playgrounds during the summer holidays. So, you know, here we'd be in our, 
in our bedroom, and of course the bedroom overlooked the, uh, the schoolyards and the two schools, and our friends would be out there playing. So anyway, this one day, my brother and I were in our, in our bedroom, and the kids, the kids were out there, then all of a sudden it got very quiet. And I got up to the window, and my brother came over, my younger brother, he's five years younger than I am. We went to the window, and something caught my eye. Now, the aircraft would land from east to west. Something was traveling from north to south, making no noise. It looked like a cigar and had little round windows in it. Wow. And it was going very slowly. Right over the playground? Right over the playground, yeah. So anyway, I, I called my father, excited, because I wanted him to see this. But by the time he actually came, the object had flown out of sight. So anyway, my dad, being the great guy he is, uh, he saw that we were troubled, so he picked up the phone and, and, you know, was one of the rotary phones. And he's pretending to put his finger in the dial, right? And he's holding the phone to his, he to his head. And he says, oh, yeah, yeah, my son, blah, blah, blah. Oh, 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 it was? Oh, okay, thank you very much. He pretended he called the airport. And they said it was an airplane. Okay, nice, nice dad, you know. You tried. Well, that was the end of it. My brother and I went back to bed, and uh, I was totally amazed. But here's the, here's the interesting part. The very next day was an ordinary day like any other day, except that even though none of the adults talked about what was in the sky that night or the night before, every kid saw it. And so what it was? Checked in at school. Pardon? You checked in at school. Hey, everybody. Yeah, no, it was the summer hol. It was the summer holidays. It was the summer holidays. So you oh. know, you meet your friends at the park, and you're talking, and you know, wow. And that started it. Okay. I don't know you what it was. Start questioning, like, what the heck happened? Yeah, you know, like it could have been, uh, um, uh, you know, a zeppelin for all I know. You know how they have some lights on the bottom in the little cabin? It doesn't make any sound. It moves very slowly. Yeah, and you it know? doesn't have, like, sort of uh, jets or anything. Right, it right. It has its own and it was going inner to, motion. Right, it was going instead of, the like, the, the landing pattern towards Dorvel would have been from east to west. This was going from south to north. And, it, yeah. you know, so whatever it was, I don't know. But it certainly started me you know, thinking about things. And then I started reading every book I could get a hold of, Eric Von Donick and uh, the Bermuda Triangle, Charles Berlitz. Yeah, Bermuda Triangle, yeah. I remember that one too. Yeah. And, you know, over the years I've gone through the Bermuda Triangle, above water and below water. Jeannie Houston. Pardon? Did you read any of the Jeannie Houston, the, the super famous psychic, President Kennedy's psychic? No. Within that same time. Yeah, she was like, predicting all these things would come true. I was like, yeah. what? <laughs> no, but it's, it's always been a, 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 a fascination to me. And then when I had to change careers, I thought, oh, what the heck? You know, I already knew how to do the TV stuff. And before I did the radio, we started publishing the newspaper. And I got a call from Brian Wilde at CHML. And he says, I'm going to make you an opportunity of a lifetime. 
How would you like to come and be Bill Kelly's co-host for a week and talk about the paranormal? Oh, nice, nice. And that was it. That was uh, 30 some odd years ago. It. Yeah. And and from doing that, I you know started doing my own show, and I worked my way up the chain from being a host to where I was uh, when I was with uh, CKTB and Hits FM. I was the executive producer of programming. Wow, nice! Yeah. And now you're the executive producer of a whole network, really. Yeah, you know it's it's a it's a snowball effect. Yeah, exactly. And Honoring our mentors or whatever, I have some key, key people who made, you know, maybe not long, but very important sort of like, I guess, direction shifts. But you, you, you know what, my friend? We've run out of time. Yeah. Will you come back yeah. again, Craig? Definitely. Thanks for sharing your story. I loved hearing it. All right. You take care of yourself, my friend. Always great having my friend from Montreal with us and Exonation. If you'd like to find out more about Craig Webb, visit dreamsbehindthemusic.com and applydreaming.com and the only difference between a dream and reality take this from me exonation is doing it the dream is the plan and the reality is the action of the plan that you've taken i'll be back on the other side of this break as we continue from our broadcast center and studios in niagara ontario canada mm -hmm.